Welcome to Heart Talk. I'm your host, writer, educator, and creator, Tracy Michelle. There's a quote often attributed to newscaster David Brinkley that says, she took a leap of faith and grew her wings on the way down. (laughs) I totally identify with that. I spent a large part of my early adulthood taking huge leaps of faith. I was a brown girl from Kentucky who had big dreams, and I thought that the only way I could pursue those dreams was if I left Kentucky and went on what now has ended up being a lifelong journey of seeking and later honing in on who I am authentically. I remember vividly having $300 in my pocket and a budget rental van full of furniture given to me by my parents and my grandmother and moving my 21-year-old self to the south side of Chicago. Later leaps would take me to New Jersey, New York, and later to Philadelphia. But you know, the biggest leap of faith I've ever had to make was not from one city to the next, one job to the next, one relationship to the next. The biggest leaps of faith I've had to make occurred right in my own mind, in my own heart. My most courageous acts have been where I've chosen to, despite what my circumstances said, I've had to bet on me. I bet on the gifts God gave me. Imposter syndrome is real, y'all. And I know we've talked about the feelings of not being enough in previous episodes, but that's a real thing. This idea that somehow I am a fraud, I am not worthy, that whole who do you think you are thing that can sometimes play like a broken record in our minds. Man, that's so real. Yes, Sometimes our biggest leaps will be letting those thoughts, those who do you think you are thoughts roll right on away from us because we don't have to believe everything we think, right? I think this constant countering of the negative mind chatter is something that particularly people of color and other members of marginalized groups have to do regularly. When you live in a society that doesn't honor your culture or traditions, or they only attempt to honor them when they can colonize them, they're colonizable, if that's even a word, (laughs) it can be challenging to know who you really are. For black Americans, that means remembering that we come from a long tradition, rich history that extends long before the transatlantic slave trade. That's why in this episode, I'm so excited to talk to scholar and dear friend to the show, Dr. Marcella McCoy Day. Dr. McCoy Day recently took her own leap when she accepted a Fulbright teaching fellowship in Accra, Ghana, and moved her entire family there. Yes. (laughs) She talks to us about some of the ways she's been affirmed while she's been there and some of the intersections she's encountered culturally. Let's welcome Dr. Marcella McCoy Day to Heart Talk.
Hey, Marcella. Hi, Tracy. How are you? I am well. Thank you. How are you? I am great. I am great. And um, it's New Year's Eve that we're recording this. So I am looking forward to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vision. So like we do at Heart Talk, we ask all of our guests, um, how's your heart? So how's your heart today, Marcella? Ooh, I like that question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before, but I like it. Um, my heart is good. I think I like it because my heart is good. <laughs> um, 2019 was actually a good, it was an important year for me. It was a transformative year. Um, because I faced some challenges and I prayed on some things and I <sighs> exercised my faith in a very mm -hmm. big way, awesome. which is why, um, I think we're talking today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> things were going to talk out. about those leaps <laughs> things worked out. answers to prayer. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, um, at least one of those leaps, probably the biggest one from mm -hmm. 2019. Um, when I think about the um, experiences of African-Americans here, um, our story specifically, because that's what we talk about here at Heart Talk, um, I can't help but to think about origins. And I think so many people mistakenly make the transatlantic slave trade the starting point in our story. Um when in actuality, there's a rich connection to West Africa that I think only now has begun to be embraced and discussed, particularly with the whole year of the return um, that has been kind of heavily marketed mm -hmm. um, by Ghana <laughs> and maybe even some of the other West African countries. He's like, come on home, you know, so I'd be interested to get your take on that before we kind of dive into story and all of that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um. As I was, as I began teaching African American history very many years ago, one of the um, revelations I think um, that I had was this question that you presented about uh, African Americans thinking our history started in at the transatlantic slave trade, and in learning about history, our history, and teaching it. Um, one of the things I used to say to students, and it was kind of this kind of sad revelation that. On paper, it does. On paper, it did start mm. um, with the transatlantic slave trade, but only on paper, mm -hmm. right? Because records weren't kept well mm -hmm. about who we were, where we came from, our names were changed, our religions and belief systems were erased, languages, all of that. Um, so what we had or what we could piece together was from slavery. But what we knew in our spirits and in our own history uh, and what the world knows that, of course, <laughs> right, right, that was not the case. So it's been a matter of of patching it together, and it's it's that adds to the trauma of what happened, of the separation and disbursement. But the uh, trauma is that that tie, that connection, the roadmap was destroyed mm. or neglected, mm. um, sometimes intentionally. So um, it's painful. Uh, that on on paper and in the Western world, it's paper. What's ma what matters? That's what we're taught. But in actuality, as I said, in our spirits and in truth, that's absolutely not the case. So that whole rediscovery is really important. The year of return 
It's very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some circles, it's seen as um, a uh, tourism mm-hmm. gimmick. Marketing. Yeah, mm-hmm. marketing. There's arguments about the 400 years, like, uh, do the math, it's <laughs> right. longer. Um, but in essence, I think if it's any reason for African Americans to connect deliberately with Africans on the continent, to rediscover each other. Mm-hmm. If it gets us together, it's a start and it's a good thing. So, you know, I I get it. Like, I, I understand what the critiques are mm-hmm. um, for the year of the return. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, Black American dollars and, you know, marketing and kind of capitalizing on that. Um, but I also honestly really see it as an opportunity for healing on both sides mm-hmm. of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've done um, or and are doing a lot of work um, around looking at those connections between the two cultures. Um, as a matter of fact, you've had the opportunity to move you and your family, your entire family, yeah. <laughs> from Philly to Ghana on a Fulbright teaching fellowship this year. Um, so I'm really curious about what were some of your initial observations regarding particularly the role of story and art, but storytelling mm-hmm. and how it, it, it there's an intersection between the two cultures from black American culture and um, African, West African culture. Like where did you see yourself affirmed? Okay, so that's that's a big question. I'm gonna that's back what we up do here. Start, yeah. <laughs> big questions, <laughs> big question, Tracy. So um, I want to back up just a, a touch um, and talk about what I plan to do mm. when I was applying for the Fulbright um, to teach in the Kwame Nkrumah Institute of African Studies hey. at the University <laughs> of Ghana, Legon. Um, yes, I have to say all of that. <laughs> um, one of the issues that I pointed out in the proposal was just what you said. Um, there is a um, disconnect between um, or among, I guess, Africans on the continent of Africa and those of us in the diaspora. And we don't know enough about each other. We don't have all the information about our stories, what happened before and after uh, the transatlantic slave trade. And we have a lot of misinformation about who we are um, in today's uh, context. So, um, and even institutionally, we don't learn mm-hmm. about each other. Right. We don't learn African studies. <laughs> we don't learn, they don't learn African-American studies or Caribbean studies or uh, history. So um, my goal was to begin to um, ask those questions, have those conversations, um, add another link to the, to the connection. And more specifically, I went to teach African-American studies. A lot of people say, you're in the Institute of African Studies. What are you going to do there? I'm going to teach American studies. I'm going to teach a particular African-American studies because I know from the Africans I've met who have either visited the U.S. or immigrated here, um, after a certain age, the younger generation, they don't know. Hmm. They you know, they just don't know. And it's not their fault. It's just like we don't know. Right. So um, it's definitely reciprocity <laughs> that needs to occur. It's definitely a two-way 
uh, highway of our ignorance and mm-hmm. <laughs> what that we I mean, but colonization kind of is on the same, you know, exactly two sides exactly. of the same coin, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. So colonization screwed them up. Slavery and discrimination mm-hmm. that followed screwed us up. Um, it's just it was bad for everybody, mm-hmm. and actually, it's it's messed up. Uh, both of those messed up um, Europeans and white Americans too, because of the whole psychosis around racism and supremacy. It's just a non-thing. So, um, but first things first, we have to come back together Mm -hmm. and learn who we are, who we've been and who we are and and kind of develop a a way forward that works for all of us. So in that vein, I think, despite all the criticism about um, the return, I think it's an opportunity. Um, there's uh, a festival called Panafest that happens every other year that's been around for quite some time. But a lot of people don't know about it unless they're intellectuals or they're Africanists or in, into African history and studies. You don't know about Panafest, but it's a um, diaspora um, conference slash festival that happens every other year. I just learned about it when I started teaching Pan-African Studies at the <laughs> University of Ghana. So I think there's a lot for us to learn. Um, but is the the link stories and art, like is, is that a point of connection? It is, and here's how. Um, so we've already talked about that what we don't know. And so sometimes we have enough to kind of piece together or exchange or trade knowledge and information but we're still operating from very different contexts. Mm. So even if we are looking at the same information, you're going to understand it differently, born and raised with a legacy in Africa, than I am born and raised in a legacy as an African-American with a history of slavery. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm coming from a different place. We're coming from different places with it. So stories help in, mm-hmm. in helping us bridge the understanding. So we can both read and see, like, oh, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. But actually understanding the lived experience mm-hmm. is brings us way farther. So I find myself um, in classes telling stories a lot because we sometimes we recognize and it takes a minute, it takes a beat to recognize that we're not talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. We might be using the same words, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about the same thing because of our different contexts. So um Stories have helped me understand, right? Um, in reading literature, there's a gender course I was sitting in on, and we were reading um, plays and at one point. And so that helped me understand some things that I thought I understood because I knew the words. <laughs> but the play, I'm like, oh. Right, And right. likewise, I find myself explaining um, some things that are misunderstood about African-American African-Americans' history and culture and how we function um, or don't function Mm -hmm. through stories. So, for example, um, a gentleman in one of uh, my slave trade in Africa course asked um, us, why don't we have or do we have any festivals or, you know, community um, traditions like I don't he 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 had been to the states a couple of times, but he you know they have a very different thing that I'm still learning to grasp. I haven't quite grasped grasped it yet. Again, I understand it intellectually, but I I haven't breathed it for myself yet. Um, so I was explaining to him that our traditions are 
linked to a broader American tradition. We have these parallel parallel traditions that we do it the black way. We do it. Right. There's a way, there's a, a certain flavor to it that we know. You, you know, know, like Twitter, black, you know, there's black right. Twitter, black yeah. Thanksgiving, right. you know. Yeah. Right. And so I said, but what we have are moments. Hmm. So I said, for example, you think about the March on Washington. Mm -hmm. That was a moment. I said, in my generation, or really my daughter's generation, maybe, Barack Obama's election and his inauguration was Mm -hmm. a moment. There are these points in America's history that for African Americans are poignant in a very different level. Mm -hmm. We can all tell you where we were, how it impacted us, what we're doing, why. We can do a whole thing around it. so there are things that they, they happen in an American environment, but for us, they mean something a little different, a lot different. So, and I had to think about that. And mm-hmm. I didn't have that response on the tip of my tongue and it took me a while to get it out. But I said, ha, 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 ha. and then the storytelling, it just helps exam- with examples. So mm-hmm. colorism, they don't understand that. Mm. I had a student say, well, why do you all call Barack Obama your first black president? Because he's not he's not black like us. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to do a whole lecture on <laughs> colorism. Next week, you know, I got to right. try to whip something through, like do a whirlwind in 20 minutes on wow. colorism. You know, mulatto, octroon, quadroon, you know, the whole right, the history right. of the paper bag, the shadow. So I had to kind of whip through that. And they were like, you know, jaws dropped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, and I had to say, look, it doesn't make sense. It's not rational. It's not logical. It's fine if you don't understand it because it doesn't make sense. And that's the point. Right. Um, so, I mean, those are like little but micro I think lectures it, I end up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. But oh like it, it, wouldn't you have to also connect it back to like white supremacy and connect mm-hmm. it back? Mm-hmm. Like they, they, in order for them to understand why it even occurs, though it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm is to understand the systemic structures that make it possible, right? So the lectures will be about that, right? Right. But then the student will come up after class and say, I understood that, but what? And so that's one of these things that we don't need to explain here. Hmm. But I have to explain. It's one of those things that like, man, you know, just when I thought I knew what I was doing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah. And as much as we want to believe, oh, we are African, because of we have these very different um, realities that we live in in our in our spaces. There are some things that conceptually are foreign and abstract um, to them, like mm-hmm. colorism um, and how a slaveholder, um, a white slaveholder, has a child with a slave woman. And how is his child asleep? I said, well, it depends. <laughs> and I say that to the point where I say it depends. And they all start laughing like, okay, she's got another story. And I have to kind of explain mm-hmm. the different variations of the laws and how the preference and they didn't have, women didn't have the power, you know, so the power structure and all of that. Um, and I can tie it back and I'll flip back through the slides and say, remember here? Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much that is understood mm-hmm. in our experience that I have to unpack there. And likewise, I've sat in classes on gender and on traditional religions in Africa that I thought I understood it conceptually. And after sitting through those courses, I was like, I I was just, uh, I just was looking at a a flat (laughs) thing that I thought I got, but there's so so much there. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, we end up having these long conversations. And sometimes I have to apologize to my co-faculty. I'm like, okay, I know I'm sitting in your class. And if I ask a question, it's going to be a 20-minute discussion. So I'm going to wait till then. They're like, no, ask the question because this helps us teach them. It helps us teach you. It helps us understand what you don't know mm-hmm. and help. And actually, I'm learning a new vocabulary even for what we call here Southern Black folk traditions mm. and beliefs and how it's rooted in traditional religious practices in various parts of Africa. I'm like, we do that. That's a, what do you call that again? Like, that's where that's, you know, so it's, it's so that's the link. There's yeah. the, that's where the, the affirmation of, yes. you know, who we are kind yes. of where it shows up and where, you know, we talk about uh, blood memory yeah. And we talk about mm-hmm. things that we don't know why we do them, mm-hmm. but we do them. Uh, we yep. don't know why our our art, you know, our writing, our hip hop, you know, mm-hmm. wh- why the cultural, mm-hmm. those things happen. And it's because, you know, we, are, we remember, right? Mm-hmm. We remember something that we don't actually, it's not frontal lobe, I guess. Yeah. I think I think that's the part of the brain. <laughs> but um, wow, like I, I love this so much because I think, um, and what I believe is that story creates empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can tell me this happened to you and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you tell me a story around what happened to you, yes. it connects to me at the heart level. So I think by um, renewing the bonds of empathy from mm-hmm. the African's perspective yeah. uh, gives a sense of that breaks down those walls that people are always talking about that exist yeah. between Africans and African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so story is still the fuel for that. Yeah. Um, Can I give sure. you an example? Okay. Sure. So with my undergraduate class, it's over 150 19 year olds in there. Mm-hmm. And um, we, the professor I teach with asked me to do a lecture segment on the social life of slaves. Hmm. And my initial response, not to him, of course, was, yeah, hey, social life. <laughs> you know? But then I thought about it, I was like, no, everybody creates whatever, you know. So we talked, I, I did, I prepared a lecture on um, marriage, funerals, weekends, holidays. And then I said, I got to put in here, we're talking about marriage, we have to do naming. Mm. And I told a story about how, because they asked about these black names. <laughs> you like know, so I had to explain. Chiquita and them. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> well, you know, and I had to explain how we, in, in during slavery, we our na- we weren't allowed to name ourselves in many cases. Um, and I brought it all the way up to the 20th century. I said, my mother um, was born on the 26th of November. That's when she was, that's when she came into this world. Her birth date was recorded as November 29th because that's when the doctor got around to making the records of what the midwife, you know, mm-hmm. who the midwife delivered. She could not change her birth date until she was an adult. Mm-hmm. She had to go through the legal channels to change her birth date to what it actually was. Mm-hmm. I said, no, there's no agency there. Right. I said, my uncle who was in the military served this country in World War II, he's 90. Seven. Um, his name is Don. My grandparents are oh, we're way cool. Just Don, you know. And um, not Donald. No nope, Don. Just Don. Right? No Donnie. No, Don. Just Don. We call him Uncle Don. It's like yeah. <laughs> so um, when he went to get his after he was discharged and to get his his military benefits, they didn't have him in the system as Don. They had him as Donald. Hmm. 
And he's like, oh, no, no, that's not me. Well, that's it. That's, he was like, wait, that's my number. You know, but they had it as Donald. They changed his name. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm just Don. My name is Don. No. <laughs> In high school, my father's nickname, his nickname was Sonny. Mm-hmm. S-U-N-N-Y because of his brilliant personality. You've met my dad. <laughs> yes. And um, the teacher was like, no, it's Sonny, S-O-N-N-Y. You don't know. It's it's a nickname, first of all. <laughs> it's so she nickname. corrected his nickname. <laughs> S-O-N-N-Y. So you don't argue with me about a nickname? So we're policing. Yeah. So yeah. And they couldn't believe I said, so you, they had to under, I had to explain the level, the egregious nature of the trans. The trans, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transgression. Yeah, yeah. You know, around the very and the residue, core of even a hundred years later, a hundred yeah. years later, the residue. Right. Yeah. So, which makes sense because if you think he, if you think about it, a hundred years later in the 1970s, that's when we start getting, you know, during the Black Arts Movement and then the Black Power Movement mm-hmm. and this idea of we're going to take back our agency, we're going to name ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So you have, you know. The Nation of Islam, you know, where people were changing their names, mm-hmm. but also just people who were involved in those movements, black mm-hmm. power movements, they mm-hmm. were deciding that, no. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to call my daughter Tanisha mm-hmm. because I like how that sounds mm-hmm. and, you know, and it means mm-hmm. this, et cetera. And yeah. so I think uh, that's powerful, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that I've necessarily thought mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, we're um, f- uh, taping this at Heart Space. So that's, you know, you guys are hearing our train choo <laughs> choo going behind <laughs> us. As always, we try to do as many of our podcast episodes live um, in studio here at Heart Space. Um, so, yes, just, you know, wanted to mm-hmm. plug the train mm-hmm. that just went by. <laughs> you know, um, Marcella, I love. I love that you, the basis of a lot of your work, um, particularly in the classroom, has been around story. And one of the things that you and I talk about quite a bit is this idea of transgenerational trauma. Mm. In fact, we co-wrote a book together, <laughs> The Search for Susu, <laughs> uh, where the the protagonist, the main character, uh Francine actually does exactly a lot of what you're over there doing now. Just don't get as in much trouble Life as she did. Art without, the <laughs> without the catastrophe. Drama. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, one of the things that, you know, and even researching and kind of writing that book that we talked about is um, the stories that we carry, mm, you know, mm. from generation to generation. Mm. So part of the reason why this conversation about the African-American experience and the African and that relationship between the Africans, uh, the, the relationship between African-Americans and Africans um, is so important is because we carry so much of that transgenerational trauma. There are things and residue, um, not necessarily just positive, things mm-hmm. like cultural like mm-hmm. music or mm-hmm. dance but also mm-hmm. things that um are heavy yeah. that we hold from our mothers and our mothers mothers and our mothers 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 and so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about you know since you've been there now for a few months living um what you've noticed what you've observed um and what you even bring from your own story mm-hmm. that you know that to light what has been brought to light for you yeah um this is this is good. Um, one of the things that surprised me um, was learning about slavery in Africa, and I still don't fully understand it. There's there's just so much to learn. Um, I mean, I knew it existed, but I didn't know the intricacies of it. Um, so 
for example, in my undergraduate course, the professor was talking about how, you know, they don't talk about slavery. They don't ask um, if someone was descendant of a slave, if someone's parent or grandparent was a slave. They don't, you don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So these, these stories that are off limits. Mm -hmm. And I had to come behind him like the next class and say, um, unlike um, you know, the professor before me said, I said, in the States, African Americans, we're gonna talk about slavery. <laughs> we talk about it. And I said, I am a descendant of slaves. Right. I'm a survivor. I it's in the words of our beloved um Maya Angelou, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. Right. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of them. Um and I said, I'm not saying that as a an affront to what he said, but because we are, I am coming out of a very different um, soup, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where this is a part of our our survival to it's affirm a kind of resilience. our life, yeah. our, our survival that we, we, we've lived um, is something different here. So when African-Americans come here or Jamaicans and we talk about being descendants of slaves and being proud, it's because we, we are... We lived, we exist mm-hmm. in spite of that. So for them, you know, people say, oh, they enslaved them, each other. No, <laughs> they're very different cultures, different languages, different religions. So they weren't enslaving their bro- brothers. They were enslaving other people, mm-hmm. right? Um but there's so much more to the whole slavery and why you had slave and you might need a slave for this reason or that reason. Um, as far as like inheritance, this, this is a whole um, it's like tapestry. Caste. Like a caste system, right? Um, well, so yeah, Like hierarchies, slaves had slaves, that kind of thing. Uh, well, it's, there's, there's just a lot to it because there's some reasons why you would need or why you needed to buy a slave because, or you need to buy a slave, a woman who... Um, your wife might have need to be a slave. You had to buy her from a slave market or make whatever arrangements mm-hmm. for her to be your slave so that when she bore your children, um, the inheritance would go through your family, not her. Like she had, or she had, to, you had to buy a slave who was of a particular ethnic group. Oh, wow. Because some are matrilineal and the power goes through the mother's family, others are patrilineal and the power and inheritance goes through the father's side. But if you're the only boy in a matrilineal matrilineal society if you marry a woman in your culture all your stuff is going to go to her family you need to marry someone from a patrilineal where all the stuff your stuff will go to his to your side of the family so it was very strategic um slave ownership and and there's influence and power in having many children um or having lots of people in your family so sometimes people just got slaves or bought slaves so they could increase their family um, and that would increase their power and mm. their protection you know so it's it's really um, again I this is what bits and pieces that I'm picking up um, I there's so much more to learn and to understand about it but um, I just I would love for more many many more of us to um, be able to come together to to learn the facts and the stories. Mm. 
Uh, there's just there's a lot to be shared and exchanged. I find um, it fascinating, um, specifically because I think about you saying that as African Americans, we talk about slavery. You know, um, we're always trying to remind this country mm-hmm. of that great transgression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and also all of that came after with that. Mm-hmm. So Jim Crow and, you know, segregation mm-hmm. and, you know, redlining and everything that came, mm-hmm. you know, as a result of that, and even some of the current oppression that we see today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we operate from the place of resiliency, mm-hmm. right? Like we we came through, we're survivors, we came through. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and I hopefully don't get in trouble for saying this, but mm-hmm. I wonder if the the Africans' resistance to talking about it is from a place of guilt, you mm-hmm. know? So is it, um, and... And I and, and and again, like I know that that's such a touchy subject mm-hmm. that strains the opportunity for connection. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, it's important for mm-hmm. us to know what the facts are yeah. and what actually happened, because mm-hmm. um, we understand that the slavery that existed in West Africa was not the chattel slavery of right. Uh, the, the transatlantic slave trade. So to be clear for every listener, mm-hmm, <laughs> that mm-hmm. we're at, at no point in time are we equating that. But I think understanding the cultures and the mindsets mm-hmm. of that time is, is important, like you yeah. say. Some, some I have heard some uh, people say that they it, it's an embarrassment. Mm. So to talk with African-Americans, Jamaicans, you know, those of us who were out here as a result of the trade, um to talk about that history is it's painful for us in a different way than it's painful for them mm. so to to look at me and see someone who could easily be their cousin <laughs> mother you know whatever and know that i am adrift mm. you know culturally as a result of something that that um, happened there. Some um, people have a hard time with it. Um, for one, just because of what it was, you know, like oh my gosh, how in what ways are we culpable? Right. You know, others um, because of the whole coping mechanism of we don't talk about the bad things, mm-hmm. we don't air it, we don't, you know, if we don't talk about it because it's shameful. Mm-hmm. So you have some people who are like, we don't talk about it because, it's, you know, so for you to, for me to say, but I'm in your face and I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's a problem. It's, it's, so those are the kinds of things we need to talk about. And I was actually in a, um, at a workshop and on decolonize, on decolonization. And there was a woman um, from Togo and she stood up and she said, you know, I, I didn't know. She said, I'm so glad to learn so much because she did not know. She thought slavery, she knows about the transatlantic slave trade. And she thought once all the um, Africans were taken over there who were enslaved, they died out and then it was over. Oh, wow. She didn't know about that it would perpetuate it and that there was a domestic um, slave trade and that this went on. She said, I didn't know this was going on for hundreds of years. She said, I thought after they died out, then it was over. 
right? I had a professor, a colleague who said, yeah, I remember, he said a few years ago, I was at a conference and they were talking about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. And he said, oh, this must have been a very strong woman. She was up up there digging that railroad. (laughs) (laughs) Then I listened to him, he's like, ooh. He said, he felt horrible because he didn't know that, you know? So things that we think of as who the here has not heard of Harriet Tubman, you know, there are things that basic that they don't know and that we don't know about about African um, history when it connects to um, slavery it's, and many, many, many other marriage. Oh my gosh, religion. Oh, just, there's <laughs> so many, so many, so many, so many things. What's fascinating, I think, is that you this idea. I feel like that while we may be open to talking about slavery right um because i think there's again this this desire to make sure we because you know there's still inequality to keep it ever in the forefront of the minds of uh white people or the powers that be you know but we still i think also have that trait and within our individual communities of we don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen to apply to slavery, mm-hmm. but there's so much that's going on in our mm-hmm. communities. If you talk about sexual assault, you talk about what's going on in families, you talk about mm-hmm. that we say the exact same thing mm-hmm. that you're saying mm-hmm. was said, like that's shameful. We don't talk about mm-hmm. that. We hide it. We keep it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's festering, yeah. right? It's festering. So in the same ways that maybe the West African may have to wrestle with history. I mm-hmm. think there's also some things that we wrestle with, mm-hmm. you know, that we operate in the same ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is yeah. that is fascinating. So I am, um, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I really want to bring it back to, because uh, we talked a lot about story, but I want to talk about like how art and creativity and because um, you had sent me some pictures um, and guys, if you have not checked out Gonadelphia, uh, Gonadelphia is sort of a chronicling of uh, Dr. McCoy's journey um, in doing this Fulbright Fellowship in uh, Ghana. And so it's 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 a really cool and new season books and media is a part of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go check that out on YouTube. But um, I would Instagram. and Instagram. Uh, follow, please follow Ghana, tel- Ghana, Delphia, uh, Ghana, Philadelphia, Ghana, Delphia, yeah. um, uh, online, um, to, to follow her story. But I'm really just kind of interested in like creativity and, in the arts. And, um, cause I do, again, I come back to it being the way that we can speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of the diaspora that, um, we talk to each other in that way, mm-hmm. right? Through the music, through the art, yeah. through the culture, the fashion, the fashion, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and like that's a point of connection. Like mm-hmm. when I look at my students in the classroom, um, my African students and my African American mm-hmm. students, a mm-hmm. lot of what they connect on mm-hmm. is, you know, Afrobeats or mm-hmm. culture or whatever. And so I'm wondering, like, how do we use that? Like, what is the, how, because that to me is where healing can live. Yes. And, and there are competing, and I hope it's not a strong competition, but, you know, you have this whole reflexive thing about us imitating mm. Africa and then African imitating us. You think about their music, all the music that, 
is black American music. Mm-hmm. You know, its soul is African. You know, yeah, like the, the beats, the rhythms. You know, we brought that with us and it expressed itself in our our music, our visual art, everything. And and then yeah, you have today's young people, the music and things they're creating, this their style, their aesthetic. It's this fusion there of of their aesthetic and of Black American um, cultural aesthetic. So a few years ago, when uh, African prints hit American uh, runways mm. and even Black uh, kids are wearing, young people are wearing African prints, there were a few popular articles around cultural appropriation mm. and some um, with with Black Americans mm. targeting whites and white Americans and then with some Africans targeting Black Americans. Americans. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> white people aside, we're not talking about them today. Um, we can't culturally, we can't appropriate each other's culture because it's the same culture, right? It's expressed differently. It's divergent for whatever reasons, for the reasons we talked about today. But um, I'm hoping that the appropriation piece falls off because it's it further divides. So yeah. we have this other conversation around DOS descendants of slaves and part of that is I embrace that I'm a descendant of slave of slaves. I don't embrace some of the rhetoric around Absolutely. some of the people in that movement who were saying basically F Africans because they so you know that doesn't get us anywhere. At we all. were the same people. We got exploited in different ways. Right. For a very long time. So you had the transatlantic slave trade, you had us in slavery. As slavery was wrapping up, they're like, mm, how we shift this money? How we shift this income? Mm-hmm. Colonization. Right. Okay. Right. So everybody got screwed in that. And we we were the same people. Some of us stayed and got screwed. Others of us were sent and got screwed. But everybody was messed up as a result. So let's not right. be stupid. Right. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just like, I gotta put that You know, um, so, I mean, there are people saying, don't participate in in um, year return. Da, da, da. You do, do. If you don't want to participate, fine. Right. But even if people are going over there to party and have a good time, act right. the fool, we never had no problem with that before. <laughs> <laughs> we How do about it here. <laughs> and guess what? Now the money is going to a Canadian economy. Right. There right? you go. Jamaicans over there, Chinese over there, Americans over there. Enjoy yourself. I told my young student, I said, y'all, I'm, I'm getting away from y'all craziness. I said, but if I was in my 20s, I'd be right here with you. You couldn't tear me away. I'd be partying from 8 a.m. to 6 a.m. with you. you know? But it's an introduction. It might be a party, but they're not going to, they're also going to get this whole other piece that they right. might not feel until it. But then they'll come back and they'll say, oh, I'm going to go to Nigeria. Oh, I'm going to go to South Africa. Oh, I'm going to go to Cameroon. So, yeah. Yes. And it's not happening. In the U.S. It's not happening in the U.K. It's happening on the continent of Africa. Yeah. It's happening in Ghana. So it might not be completely intellectual or completely cultural, but... Yeah. Enjoy that billion dollars that's coming in. (laughs) Do something productive with it. And, um, yeah, I have no hate for it. I, I understand the criticism. Yeah, but let's just see. Let's yeah. see. Instead of ripping it down before we can find out what can become of it. Yeah. And it's a start. Absolutely. It's, a, it's something. It's something. Absolutely. So let's let's see where, where it goes. Young people are creative and smart. They're not idiots. Right. Let's see what they do with, with this experience yeah. after the party. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. You know, because after the party, there's the innovation. Mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't going to say the after party for those of you mm-hmm. <laughs> who were with me up until that point. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where, you know, the innovation, the networking, yep. the, the connections hopefully will so happen. Yep. Yeah. So, well, this has been wonderful. And thank you so much for coming to Heart Talk, where we talk about healing through art and story. Um, And I think we covered all of that in this conversation. So uh, thank you for Marcella for uh, joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Heart Talk is written and produced by my mommy, Tracy Michelle Lewis-Jiggins, for Heart Space and New Season Books and Media. Go to hearttalkpodcast.com to learn more. See you next time!